So I've just realised when I look at the, the title of my message, it just says title. So I hadn't gave one. So I'll, I'll, I'll give it a, a wing, I'll wing a title. We'll see whether by the end of it, it actually uh, makes true. But we'll call the title of this message, Do You Know Who You Know? Do You Know Who You Know? Well, let's find out. This morning, my intention is to, very similar to what Phil said um, la- well, the last couple of weeks, which is, I am here, like he was here, to add to what's already been spoken. So don't expect anything crazily different. You know, we're, gonna con- we're, t- we're continuing on this understanding, this process of entering in. And you might think, oh my gosh. But as Phil as Phil asked you the question, and it's your own fault because you were honest and you answered, where we said, do you all feel like you've entered in? And the answer was, um, maybe not. So, you know, as a leadership, we're always looking and we're always reviewing. And we always must be aware of, just because you're speaking doesn't mean it's going in. We have to keep finding different ways to say almost the same thing just find different ways of communicating it in order that as a house we all come to the maturity we all come to the same place which is which is the knowledge of him so i want to talk this morning i'm, I'm going to be using my main scriptures are going to be from the book of john uh, john chapter one sometimes god just gives you you start reading a scripture and you start you can't you know when i when i read I always used to kind of like have this, 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 this thought that when I read my word, there's got to be a minimum number of chapters you've got to read to class it as quality time. You know what I mean? And I've begun to realize that I can spend all day long on four scriptures. Because when God starts to speak to you through scriptures, you just don't, you, you, oh, you'd be crazy to move on because I haven't done enough chapters. You know, I once, I once spoke to a young man. He said, oh, you know, I feel like I'm just, you know, I'm not really... Um, just not really get, getting enough of the word. And I said, so, well, what, what, what did you do yesterday? He said, well, yesterday I only read the book of Isaiah. I'm like, you what? What? <laughs> what? Um, so, you know, that's not, that's not what it's about, of how much you read. There are people all over the world that don't know Jesus and know every word of the scriptures. So it's not about your knowledge. But when God starts to speak, we must pay attention. Amen? Amen. So I'm just going to try and... Now, I don't know how this morning's going to plan out. Sometimes when God gives you a word, you just go, right, I'm going to go with it. I know this point, this point, this point, this point, and then off you go home. But this, that, so we could literally be 15, 20 minutes because when God says, when he said it, he said it. Okay? So, but you're thinking, Paul, you, 20 minutes, not a chance. If only. If only. So let's start the clock and see what happens. All right, so let's go to, the, to John chapter 1, starting from verse 29 to 34. We're going to talk a lot about John. Well, we're going, to talk, we're going to use John the Baptist this morning, and I want to. Um, I'll just clarify now that when we, when I speak about John the Baptist, I am not in any way demeaning John the Baptist. When sometimes we can kind of get pressed about biblical characters, like you can't criticize them. I'm not saying I'm criticizing him, but when we point certain things out, it's it's it's, it's to be aware that it's, it's trying to. We're trying to raise a point. It's not about. Crushing a character or crushing someone, yeah. Is that, is that okay? So I've said that now. I'm not demeaning John the Baptist in any way, and I'll sh- I'll, I'll show you why later. But 
It says this in John chapter 1, 29 to 34. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that so was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see that the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Great scripture. Do you know that it is possible to know what, who somebody is, but not know them? See, I know who Boris Johnson is. I don't know him. I've never met him. And even if, I, even, if we lived in a, even if we lived in a time where we didn't have everything on our phones with pictures and videos, I would still know that Boris Johnson was currently the Prime Minister of the UK. I would still know that he was the Mayor of London. I would still know that he was a politician because people have wrote about him and I read. So, but I've never met the man. But I know who he is. And it's interesting that John said twice in this, in, this, in this scripture, I myself did not know him. I myself did not know him. Now, just, I'll just make a, clarif a clarification here. We know the scriptures show us that John and Jesus were related. Right? But I don't know about you, but if you come from a big enough family... You don't always know everyone. When I was about five or six, um, we had uh, my, oh, I don't know, my mum would have to tell you. It was me grandma or me auntie's husband. And he was from Trinidad and Tobago, I think it was. And so obviously you can notice them because when you're a white family and you've got black people in your family, you can notice them. Yeah. But I remember these, I had these second cousins. I didn't know, if, I was introduced to second cousins. And so as a second cousin, we'd have a couple of family get-togethers once or twice a year and they would be there. They were a lot older than me and they'd be there. But I kind of knew who they were. They were called Stephen and I think one was called Stephanie. But if they were, if they were sat on the front row right now, I wouldn't have a scooby-doo who they were. I would so I'm related to them. But it doesn't mean I have a relationship with them. Yeah? So it's quite, it's quite odd. And the Bible does not really give us any indication that John and Jesus had a relationship. So it's quite plausible. And John was saying, I myself did not know him. He was being serious. I myself did not know him. But we can also take it in a different way. He didn't say that he didn't recognize him. He said, I didn't know him. Now, we can take it two ways, but do you also know it's possible that you can recognise someone, but still not know them? See, I work in a bank. I see hundreds of people every day. So when I'm walking around town, 
people, and I'm walking about, it doesn't matter where I go, I can go to and I can go on Aldi, I can go in Ashton, I can go in Manchester. Someone's always looking at me, like, I know you from somewhere, but I don't know where. Or generally, they know who I am, and I'm like, I know you from somewhere, but I don't know where. And it's generally because I've served them in the bank, or you've met them through a friend, or something like that. You might even know, oh yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's Jane, that's uh, Delma's friend. And you may have been, been in a joint function, so you, you can recognise their face, you possibly can even recognise their name, but barring knowing their preference of drink, you haven't got a clue who they are. I know who David Beckham is, but I don't know the man. I can recognise David Beckham anywhere, I think most of us could, could recognise David Beckham in the streets. But... Uh, very true but so John but here's the thing but John knew he was the Messiah now why did John know he was the Messiah it says John knew he didn't find out on his own he found out because somebody told him somebody told John who Jesus was and who was that it was the Lord and it said I saw the spirit. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water, he told me. So John didn't know Jesus was the Messiah because John knew Jesus. John knew Jesus was the Messiah because he was told he's the Messiah. And how did he know? He said, "Well, I'll tell you how. Because when you when you baptize him and you see the Spirit of God come down like a dove, which I think you'd and rest on him, which I think you'd probably kind of stand out as a bit of a." Oh yeah, that's a bit of a moment when heaven opens up and a dove comes down and you hear the voice say, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. I think that might give you an indication. Oh yeah, that's the guy. Which then led John to say, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. But here we go. So we know that it's possible to know someone, to know who someone is, but we don't know them. We know that it's possible that we can recognise someone, but not know them. And we also know that we can know who someone says they are because someone else told us, but that still doesn't mean that we know them. Do you see where I'm going with this? Because to me, that sounds like a lot of Christians. You see... We can know Jesus, but not know Jesus. I can know who Jesus is because someone told me about him. I can know who Jesus is because it's wrote in a book that's the most well-sold book in the entire universe. I can know him because I've read about him or I've seen pictures of you know, what they think Jesus looks like. We can do all of that, but that doesn't mean that we know him. Now, you would think from John... And here's, and here's an exact, and, and this is what I want, I want to illustrate. Turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 7. There you are for a good finish. John chapter 7, 18 to 23. No, I didn't say John, I said Luke, didn't I? Sorry, Luke chapter 7, 18 to 23. It is wrote down, says Luke. It is Luke chapter 7. Trust me, it is. 
Luke chapter 7, 18 to 23. Now, I know it's a different book, but when you, I think, I think the encounter, the, um, but Luke doesn't specifically speak about, I think it's Matthew that speaks about the encounter with Jesus and, and, and John the Baptist in the baptism. Luke and Mark don't mention it. They just mention that what John the Baptist did. But within a few chapters of that happening, where John says, this is the man. And not only is John saying to himself, this is the man, he's declaring in front of witnesses, this is the Christ. I testify. Like, I put my, I'm in court. Do you swear to tell the truth? Another book of truth. So here we go. Yes, I do. That is Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. Okay? That's a pretty strong testimony. Would you agree? A pretty bold proclamation. So therefore, it says in chapter 7, 18, John's disciples told him about all these things. Now, what, what does that mean? In the previous scripture, it talks about how Jesus had raised from the dead a widow's boy. Right? So Jesus publicly got the boy out of the box and gave him to his mother. And obviously, John's disciples either heard about it or saw it, one of the two. Okay? And they came to tell John, who by this point had gone into prison. But it says, calling two of them over... He said, he said, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? So when the men came to Jesus, sorry, Ralph, let me know if I need to move this with the, the noise I'm making. So when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. Now, I have this, in, I have this picture in my book, and this is, this is, I'm taking a leaf out of Phil's book. In my head, I imagine it being a little bit like this, where the disciples are coming over to Jesus, and they go, uh, uh, Rabbi, 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 hang on a minute. Your faith has set you free. Crack on. What was that, lads? Um, right, we just need to ask you a question, Joe. Just one second. One second, one second. Yep, you can give me them crutches. Yep, get, take them out and walk. Right, just give me a second. Take them crutches, put them under the rest. Yeah, okay. Right, what was that again, lads? Right, John sent us to ask you, um, are you the one or should we look for someone else? Right, just, just one second. Right, now you were dead, now you're alive. Get up, okay. Right, so, so, so I've, I'm just, just the blind and now seeing. And just give one more second. Yep, okay. There's the evil spirit out in Jesus' name. Well, in my name. Right, I'll see you later. Right. So, Jesus is there healing diseases, casting out demons. He's, he's, he's the lame walk, the dead rise, the deaf hear, the mute speak, the blind see. And they're coming and asking him, are you the one? Are you the one? Well, do you see anyone else doing this? So now, okay, John's in prison. Fair, fair dues, fair dues. But this was made known everywhere. But there's a man who, at one minute, was saying, this is the guy. Not just saying to myself, like my own personal conviction, this is the guy that I've been waiting, that I, I came here to, to, to reveal to the world. I'm telling everyone who I'm baptising. I'm telling my own followers, my own disciples, this is the guy. Yet a few chapters later, are you the one? Are you the one? How does that happen? How does that happen? The evidence is there. Heaven opened up. 
He's, 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 there's miracles happening everywhere. Yeah, this guy's like, but are you the one? Because the one thing the Bible doesn't say, and this is why when we said the Bible doesn't say something, sometimes you've got to use your own, kind of put two and two together. So I'm putting two, to, two together and to me it makes four, or at least 3.9 or 4.1. Which is that this, is that from the moment that John recognised who Jesus was, he didn't pursue a personal relationship with him. He carried on baptising, he carried on doing what he'd been doing before. But the evidence suggests he wasn't close enough to Jesus to see him doing these things. Now we know that when John baptised Jesus, he hadn't yet started his ministry. Because in John chapter 2, we we see that he he turns the water into wine. So we know that when Jesus got baptised to fulfil all righteousness, it was the beginning of his ministry. It was kind of the start of it. But still, it's so easy. It's so easy when we stop at knowing who someone is because you were told or because you had one moment of experience, how that one experience will not hold you in the truth. It will only take you so far before outside things will come in. And I want to take you through a process that I believe God showed me. Now, God showed me this process through, for the youth it was. But then you realise it's not just for the youth, it's a process we all go through. But what I love about this, before we go there, I love it at the very time, so we know Jesus is doing all those things. Did Jesus rebuke John the Baptist? No, he didn't. He simply said, he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. I love what this does. This reveals so much of the nature of Christ. This reveals so much that he didn't, it's not in Christ's nature to come and condemn you. To come and, to come and cast you aside and say, well, you've, you've, you've messed this one up. Look at what I'm doing and you're still doubting me. Get out of my sight. He said, he simply turned and said, okay, you've just seen what I've done. Now I've now given you a testimony to go back and speak to him. So he wasn't just, so what I love about that is we don't know who those two, those two disciples were, but they had one heck of an experience. How would you find an answer out? I mean, he could have just said, um, he could have been sat there having his tea, and they said, are you the one? Yeah, I am. Go tell John. All right. So what did he say? Oh, he just said he was the one. No, they didn't go back and say that. He said, is it? So John's like, so what did he say? Well, it's not what he said. It's what we saw. It's what we heard. Because... Testimony we know, I'm not going to go off on testimony, but that there, for me, I could point part right there, but we won't do. Phil told me off about rabbit holes, we don't want to go on rabbit holes. But Christ's nature was revealed in that moment. His heart towards John, his heart towards us, and we know his heart towards John, because in that very, in the, the scriptures after that, what I've just read you, he goes on to say that among all men born of, 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 a, of woman, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. So that's why I say I don't diminish John or his ministry, but we must. But, but we use this, a man that he did not know had someone not told him. So someone who he did know turned someone who he questioned whether he knew.
did he know who he said he knew, who he knew? So I want us to go back to John. John chapter 1, and it's the next set of scriptures, 35 to 42. Making sense so far? Okay. Oh. Keep speaking, my phone keeps thinking I'm asking him a question. Okay. So in John 1, 35 to 42. It says, the next day, so the next day, so this isn't like, this is the next day, after John had declared to all that was there that this is the Messiah, this is the God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Or it was, in another translation, it was about the tenth hour. So let's take this bit by bit. Someone declares Christ to you. The reason why you are here is at some point someone declared Christ to you. Is that not right? In this house, this leadership, everything we teach, we minister and how we worship is in order to lead you to Christ, to point you to Christ so that he may be revealed and magnified. Amen? Any church that does not do that is not a church you would be a part of, in my opinion. So, every week we enter into church, we're in the building, and Christ is being declared. John says, look, there he is, the Lamb of God. Every week, through what we teach, through how we worship, we are saying, there's Jesus, there's Jesus, there's Jesus, there's Jesus, there's Jesus. Whichever angle we can give you, there's Jesus. Amen? Week in, week out. Someone has to proclaim it and that's what happens. That's why I'd like that you come here so that we can see and know Christ. So what was the response of the disciples? Okay, so the response of the disciples was this. They began to follow Jesus. But here's the thing. It didn't say they began to follow. You know, we, we hear in other scriptures that it says, come, follow me. And they dropped their nets and they instantly went and walked with him. This didn't happen in this scripture. That didn't happen. It says that they started to follow him, but it doesn't say there was any dialogue. It doesn't say there was anything going on. They follow, and this, and this is what the Lord said. So for some of us, there are some in this room, when we say the word follow, actually, if we examine, as we go through this, I want you to be asking yourself these questions. Obviously, the rhetorical in this thing, don't all start shouting out. But I want you to understand that some of these things are to help you understand. Have I entered in? Well, depending on where you are in this process, will help you to understand. 
That's the, that, is the, that is the heart behind this message. There are some of those, some of, some, are some of those in here, that they don't follow Christ, they have an interest in Christ. You see, I have an interest in stocks and shares. Right? When I worked for Marks and Spencer, I, I got 25 shares. Didn't cost me anything, they were part of a work thing, you just got free shares. If you're in the company long enough, you got to keep them. So I have 25 Marks and Spencer shares. Cost me nothing, and pretty much the way they're performing right now, they're also <laughs> worth nothing. But it cost me nothing. So at the time, I, so, so I, there was a time in my life when I, I, I really liked the stocks and shares, and I would check the paper every day to see what had gone up, what had gone down. I wanted to start a portfolio of different shares. I wanted to start, you know, I really felt, I got really into it. So I was checking what the businesses were, what the share prices were, how things were like that. But that was when before I had kids, before everything else came along. So, but now, I have an app on my phone. I have an app on my phone, which is given to me very kindly by Apple, and it's right there, it's stocks, it's right there. So I, 24-7, I can see any stock I want in the world, I can see international stock markets, I can choose specific companies that I want to track and follow, I have loads of related articles, depending, you know, with it. I have everything I want to know right here on my phone, but I barely check it, because it's just an interest. I occasionally will go and check it, find out what it's about, find out where things are up to, but that's about it. Because, you know, I'd love to spend more time on it, but it's like, well, when I retire and I've got more time, I've got a bit, I've got, you know, because I'd love to spend time looking at it, but I've got other things to do. Because there's other priorities in my life that, that take up my time. So it's just an interest. I don't follow it daily, weekly. I don't even follow it, maybe not even weekly. I just occasionally bob on. If something's on the news, I'll have a look at it. And some of us treat Christ in that same way. We bought into it. It cost you nothing. Because the salvation, did you have to pay it? Did you hand over a fee for salvation? Did you hand over? I don't, I don't remember paying anything. I don't remember the admission fee. It cost me everything, but it cost me nothing. But there are those who have an in, they don't enter in because there is just an interest. I come on a Sunday so I can keep up to date with the basics of what's going on. But when I walk out of these doors, that interest is, is replaced by my other priorities. But then there are those who follow like a spy. Let me explain. Have you ever seen, well, you, you will have all seen, like, Bond movies, spy movies, any kind of like, you know, action sort of thriller movie. And you know where like some guy's following another guy. And it's like we have to stay far enough away so they don't know we're following, but we have to stay close enough to know where they're going and what's going on. Yeah? But so many Christians... That is how they work with their relationship with Christ. I stay far enough away so no attention is drawn to me, but I stay close enough to know what's going on. So I come to church, 
Because when I come to church, I know what's going on in the house. So I can tell you what Pastor Tony's saying, what the leadership is saying. I can tell you that we're going to Keffenley. I can tell you what's going on with different things. But I'm never close enough for someone to notice that I'm watching. I never put myself in a position where I may actually have to do something and get involved. I keep myself like a spy. And we treat and we wonder why we don't enter in when we come into the house because you're not close enough to actually know what Christ is saying because you're so far away. When someone speaks to you from far away, you sort of hear it, but you don't hear it because you're not close enough. But if you're close enough, they'll know you're there. And when they know you're there, you might have to talk to them. Something else might happen. But so many of us live this, this, this attitude of, I come to church and I'm at the meeting so I know what's going on. But my heart is always far enough away so it never gets touched. And then there are others who have bought into a religious Christian lifestyle. We love church. We go to church. You know, I was, I was now I see this. I want you to look at the Islamic community and a lot of the African community. We go to church. I had this lady in the bank. Now, I, 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 one of my fun parts of my job is I get to meet different people when I open accounts. And this, this African lady was in. With her, I was opening an account for a daughter and for her, and we were doing different things. And when, and when you have online banking, you have to choose a password, and it has to have letters and numbers in it. So, but most of the time, then you have to enter it onto your, onto your mobile so you can connect. And people always forget. When you say, right, what's your, the third character of your password, the seventh character of your password, the ninth character of your password, I'm looking at a few faces going, oh, I know this pain. Because we all, we all hate online banking because I always forget my passwords. And then it locks me out and I don't know, it's a stupid phone. So I end up doing it for them. So people, it's because I've got no memory because people just tell me the passwords, the PIN numbers all day long. But then you kind of know someone's attitude when what's your password? Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. One. <laughs> Next one. Hallelujah to the Saviour. 32. This is, this is literally, oh like. So then what I do, I, I, I go, ah, oh, and that, <laughs> So then I, because obviously I can't promote that I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I always let, find a way of letting them go in. Oh, amen, amen. <gasps> Do you love the Lord? I love the Lord. <gasps> and she's like, hallelujah, hallelujah, a white person that goes to church. <laughs> she said to me, I've been living here for 12 years. Why don't white people go to church? They never go to church. And I said, well, we have a, we have a, a mixed race church. We have, we have lots of different Africans. Ah, that makes, that makes sense then because there's Africans in your church. He's like, that makes sense. <laughs> and then I, 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 become, I become that, oh, the, the, the Lord has led me to you. The Lord has led my child to you. Protection is over my family because now the man at the bank is a, is a Christian. God has given me a hedge of protection over my... I get this all the time. I'm like the golden man because that's how I go to church. 
if you're an African. But, that's, but there's a lot of, but, but so much is emphasis. And when I go to church sometimes on a Sunday, it's like, it's the, be, the best dressed bus is a Sunday morning. And you've got every African in their absolute best. And, and you've got some guy on the, on the bus going, what have I just got onto here? What is, I mean, everyone looks amazing. And he's in his scruffy t-shirt thinking, have I missed, is this like a special bus that I didn't know? No, it's just this Africans go to church. And it, but so many cultures, it's you go to church. It's not about a relationship, it's we go to church. It's the same with the Islamic community. What does the Quran say? What does Shia law say? Their hearts are never engaged because it's a law. Moses brought the law, Christ brought grace and truth. But we live a life that's, well, I abide by the Christian value system. I abide by what church says I should do. I, I do what the Bible says. But that's not the same as knowing who you know. It's a, I come to church, I have a church life, I have a religious mindset. But, but it's so easy for you, because I'm ticking the boxes in my head... And then there are those of us, what the legalism does is, one of us believes that every time we make a mistake, it means you've now lost your right for intimacy. Because I'm, I'm a sinner. And then you, you, you cast yourself aside because you've made a mistake. And God is this hard, cruel rule master. But then there's the other that believes that they are so spiritual because they can tick all the boxes that I am already righteous. I am already Great how I am, because I can tick all these boxes. I don't need intimacy, because I already have it. Because I do what I need to do. But doing what you need to do, John did what he needed to do. John did what he was told to do. Yet still, when he was in trouble, he doubted whether the man that he declared publicly was the Christ. Are you really the Christ? So so many of us don't enter in because we can't get past this process, this part here. We get stuck in the way we follow. It says the disciples, the disciples, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. But then at some point, Jesus turning around, Jesus saw them following. Now there's some of us here who've got to that point where you now are following and you've got a little bit more bold, so you've now at a point where you go, I don't mind if people see that I'm following. I don't mind if someone's seen, because I am genuinely interested. I am genuinely, Jesus is on my Instagram, I follow Jesus on Facebook now. I follow all, I, you know, it's, it's, it's serious. It's Facebook serious now, this is it. You know, it's public, people know I follow Jesus. But then Jesus does this. Jesus turns round And ask this question. What do you want? What do you want? And I'm asking you this morning. God is asking you this morning. What do you want? Why are you following me? Why are you here? What is it you want from me? And the way we answer that question will define so much of our walk with him. Will will define so much of the kind of relationship we will have 
and whether or not we are able to enter in, in the way that Christ desires us to enter in. What do you want? There are those who desire personal dialogue, but you're scared to death of what to say because you don't know what will happen when he, when, when he responds. There are those who want personal dialogue, but they're afraid to say what they think they need to say because they know it will change their life. And they're not sure how. Some of you know exactly how, but it means letting go of other things and recognising that the way you've become comfortable living is no longer going to be good enough to get you where you want to go. Some of us respond with our own needs first. What do you want? I want this fixing, I need that fixing, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that, I need that. You see, if we're being super spiritual, the question is, is Lord, it's not what, can, what, what do I want, what do you want from me? Because you've already done everything for me. But very few people, that's our first response. And I'm not, I'm not being, I think we can all, we can all say, we can, it's okay, you, you don't have to tell me, I'll just assume. We, we all know that, that doesn't, that's not everyone's first thought, because if it was, <laughs> well, we would, I wouldn't be having to say this. Um, but it's the, it's, the, it's the fact that Christ, so often we get to a place in our Christian faith where we get to this stage, and Christ says, what do you want? And our inability to be able to answer that question accurately and openly is the reason why we, will, we keep following but see nothing of the things that we want to see. John heard about the miracles that were taking place, but he wasn't there to see it. He didn't encounter it. He was, he was there, though, when the heavens opened. But it, the truth never remained in him because he could never keep the dialogue. Now the response the disciples gave was this. He said, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Now I refer back to a scripture that Phil read last night. uh, Last night, no, Phil read last Sunday. And it's Psalm 26, verse 8, and it really stirred me, the scripture. It says, Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. So when they're saying, where are you staying? It's, where do you dwell? I want to know where you dwell. Where is your home? That was the question, that was the response of these two disciples. These disciples didn't know Jesus because they were followers of John. Okay? They were followers of John. But there was a new revelation that was pointed out to them. There was a place that was pointed out to them. They didn't know what that meant. They didn't understand who Jesus was. They just knew he was told he's the Messiah. He is, the, he is the one we've been waiting for. He's the one that John, that I've been telling you guys about. This is the very purpose I've been here, is to make him known to you. So now I've made him known to you. But they didn't know him. They only saw him the day before. 
That's not a very long relationship. It's not a very long time to get to know somebody if they'd even had an encounter with him whatsoever. Hence why when, when they walked, walked up to him, he said, what do you want? Jesus, of course, Jesus already knew. But he liked to let them answer the, the question first. Jesus knows what you need. But he's asking you, what do you want? Because what, because what your response reveals the content of your heart. Their heart was, I want to know where you live. I want to know where you reside. I want to know what makes you who you are. And so Jesus responded to them. And I love the response. And this is, I believe, is the word of the Lord to you this morning. This is the word that we've heard some great words in worship. But the word from this word is Jesus' response was simply this. Come, he replied, and you will see. Not just you will hear about me. Come and you will see. You know, and in John 1 verse 14 it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. That is the place that Christ is trying to draw you to. The place where we can see his glory. We can know and enter into his truth and his grace. For every aspect of your life. It's there. It's found. And the bride says, come. And he is saying to you this morning, come and see. Not come and hear. Come and see. Because when I, because when I just, I can hear the word. But when I see the word... Yes. When I see him, because now everything enters into me, because I'm in the place where he dwells, I'm surrounded by his glory. I'm not hearing about his glory, I'm surrounded by his glory. Come and see. Now the Bible doesn't say what, they, what happened when they got to his house. We just know it says that they spent the day there. But what we do know is what the result was. Because it says this, So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. Guys, spent that day with him will mean something slightly different to everyone. But that there is what is missing from this house being a house where we honour God and occasionally see him move and a house where heaven is open and it all kicks off in the most glorious way. Where every life is transformed. Where the atmosphere is conducive for everything that we read about, that we see and that every desire, God-given desire in our hearts begins to become a reality. Because it's not just, well, the wonderful thing is it's not just the individual, it's not just the corporate that we want this house to be great. It's your life. It's how you fit in into this place. So much of your life is, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. It's because you've never been to my house. You've never seen the glory. So you've never experienced the truth beyond, I know that you are my saviour. Do you really want to get to the point of going, getting to the pearly gates and saying, so what did you know about me? I knew you were my saviour. 
But it stopped there. But it says Simon, uh, Andrew, it says here, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said who had followed Jesus. So only one of them. It doesn't say what happened to the other one. But it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was the one, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus and spent the day with Jesus. It says this, the first thing, say the first thing, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother and tell him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Now that doesn't sound like a man who is not convinced. That sounds like a man who followed a man into a place not knowing who he was other than being told by someone else who he was. Recognising him but not knowing who he was. But left that house with one focus. I've got to tell everyone about this man. And not just tell everyone, I'm going to bring you to that place that I know. When, we, when you know, when you want to know, have a sense of how do you know if you've entered in? Because, you, because it's so passionate in you, you want someone else to experience the place that you've entered into. When you haven't entered into something, then what, why would you tell someone about a place you have not yet been to? So many of us have not yet got to the place where our hearts have said, Jesus, it's time for me to know you in a way I didn't know you before. It's time for me to realise, I don't, just because I've been in church and heard all of these teachings, so many of them are just knowledge to me, but I haven't entered into the truth of them. I haven't entered, the grace has not entered, well, we know the grace is there for you, but you have not stepped into that grace. Because we have not entered in to the place where he dwells. You know, if you want to have another sign of have I entered in? Or how have I entered in? Let me ask you this question. When doubts and fears come into your heart, how long do they stay there unopposed? You want a measure of how you've whether whether you're in a place where you've entered in. How long do your fears, your doubts, your shame, your those kinds of thoughts? How long do they stay unopposed in your heart and your mind? Because it says that. Through, thing, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. When we have entered in, the life and the light will always expose the darkness. So when you have a doubt which is human, which is okay, which, we make, which Christ makes room for. John had a doubt. Did Jesus chastise him over it? No. He brought his light and his life. And he shone it in 
to a dark, into the dark thoughts that John had in order for those dark thoughts to be made rendered useless and immaterial in the presence of his majesty. So many of us, we, we, we talk and we say, you know, this morning was, was, was great. We stood, we stood and we sang that, and I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fear. That my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Yes, when I stand in the place, when I've entered into his glory, into his dwelling, and, I, and that's the place where I dwell, then I can stand in that place. But when you step back out of that place, or you never enter into that place, then the fear will come back again. The fear never actually left. You just felt good for five minutes because we said it in church. So many of us pray and we worship and we, and we, the reason why sometimes it's difficult to stir the atmosphere is because you are not in the place. We've not answered the question we're still at the door he's saying what do you want what do you want what do you want this morning what do you want on a Monday what do you want Tuesday and we're going I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm not sure or I want this fixed I want this fixed I want this fixed right then come where come come where I live yeah but I haven't got time yeah but I'm not sure yeah but I'm scared yeah but I'll do it tomorrow yeah but what will happen when I do yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. It's the favourite word of a child. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And we are children to him. But I feel this morning, that is it, guys. That is it. I don't feel I need to say too much more. When Jesus says to you, what do you want? When you go home, what are you going to say? Right now in your heart, what are you going to say? Now, whatever your thir- first thought is, that gives you an indication of where your heart's at. Amen. But this morning, I, we, I come not to condemn you, but to bring you hope. We come to bring you hope because Christ is here right now. He's here right now. He's waiting for you to respond right now. He's willing to show you right now. He's willing to allow you to enter right now because the word's already said he's made the way for you to enter right now. It's all here for you right now. But do you want it right now? So come on, let's just stand to our feet. The greatest, one of the greatest sorrows of this leadership is to know that it's open for you but just not to see you step through those doors not to see you take that step for him so right now I don't know whether you maybe need to have a I would like to think that as I've been speaking God's arrested where you sit are you someone who is just interested? Are you someone right now that is just watching? I watch, but I stay far enough away because I don't want to get too close because you might say something to me that I'm not sure about. I might have to get involved. I might have to do something. I might have to change something that I'm just a bit afraid about or I just don't want to give up. Right now, you might be someone who is, you know what, I've realised I've been in church all these years and I've become religious. I've, 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 I've gone legalistic. I've gone to the place where I'm ticking the boxes so I can make my conscience clear. But all I need to do is just step in. Amen. Come as you are. Just step in. 
and let Christ show you. Sometimes we work so hard. We work so hard. We work so hard to be a good boy or a good girl, but we have no relationship. What use is being a good boy or a good girl when there's no relationship there? You know, I don't, I don't, want, to be, I don't want to be a good boy and a good, a, a good boy for my mum and dad, but then I never have a relationship with them. It's so I can draw close to them. And I know that I can get their approval when I am. When I am. But it's the other way. But I build a relationship first. And out of that relationship, I, my, my actions, everything I do, comes from that place, not the other way around. This morning, are you in the position where God has been speaking to you, saying, what do you want? And you've not been answering. Or you're not sure what to answer. Or you're afraid of what will happen if you do. Where are you this morning? Right now? Right now is a moment that you can, you can step in right now. Wherever part you are, let's step in. So right now, just come and just, just, just posture your hearts, posture your hearts, your minds. Father God. Just begin to speak in tongues for a second. I'll just begin. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Father, I love you. The one thing that I ask for, the one thing that I seek is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon your glory, to gaze upon your beauty. Father God, right now, we thank you that you know our hearts, you know where we are. Father, we thank you that you do not condemn us. As, as, as we, we know as soon as we are worthy of condemnation, but you came and you changed all that. In one move, you changed all that. We thank you, God, that your word is here to bring light, to be the light of man. But my God, right now, see every heart. See every heart for where they are. See every heart for where they are right now. Father, come. Come close. Draw close. Draw close. Reveal yourself to us this morning reveal yourself to us this morning come and meet us as we are father we say i come to you say to this morning lord i come to you where i am i'm not going to pretend anymore i'm not going to pretend i'm in a different place i'm not going to pretend that i'm better than i am i'm not going to pretend that i'm more spiritual or whatever lord the exterior you know the interior father so i come to you now as i am i bring myself as i am lord now you come in, guys. Begin to respond to the Lord. Begin to acknowledge where you are to Him. Just begin to acknowledge where you are to Him this morning. Just begin to acknowledge, just for a second now. Just be honest. Just talk to Him right now in your heart. And say right now, Lord, lead me to the place where you live. Lead me to the place where you live. Come on, just ask him. So Lord, lead me. I, I don't want, I, I, I go beyond fear. Lord, I know that you want, it's not a scary place. It's the safest place you can ever be. It's the safest, most wonderful place you can ever be. Right in his presence. We're surrounded by his glory. Surrounded by truth. Surrounded by his grace. Surrounded by his mercy. Lord God. Lead us to the place where you live. 
Lead us this morning, Father. Lead us this morning. Show us how. Take one step forward. Choose to take one step forward, guys. Don't let the words you sang this morning be, 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 a, be, be false. Take one step forward. God is giving you new ground this morning. God is giving you new ground to make your journey in faith, to make your journey in Him. Father God, right now, Lord, sweep across this house. Sweep across this house, Father. Sweep across this house. Father, we thank you that you see us. Father, I pray right now that as we begin to lead this place, that something, something of you we take with us. That, Lord, we don't leave this place the same, but, my God, we, we leave this place with this truth. We leave this place with this revelation. Whatever you're doing, and my God, I pray right now that, that this week you begin to work in us day in, day out. May your voice now become clearer. May your voice now become stronger. May our hearts become emboldened to speak to you as our hearts begin to talk. Lord, let there be a dialogue now. Father, we release a, a fresh dialogue, fresh language of the language of heaven to enter every spirit and every heart right now. So my God, where we felt mute in your presence, now we can sing, now we can speak, now we can dialogue with you, oh God. Yes. Father, let heaven bring fresh language, a fresh release to speak to you, O God, to dialogue with you. Oh, my God. We thank you, God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.